0: And we are, this evening, going to delve into Romans chapter 5, after completing Romans 4 last week. Uh, let's start with prayer and then read. We'll begin to lead us through it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Illumine our hearts, O Master, who love us mankind with the pure light of Thy divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our mind to the understanding of Your gospel teachings, and plant also in us the fear of Thy blessed commandments. That trampling down all carnal desires, we may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, both thinking and doing such things as well pleasing unto you. For you are the illumination of our souls and bodies, of Christ of God, and to you do we ascribe glory together with your Father, who is from everlasting and all holy good and life creating spirit, now and ever unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Okay, so. Um, would someone be so kind as to read for us the first 11 verses of this chapter
0: Could you share uh,
1: oh right missed a step or i could it just i don't care no i've got it okay so now would someone be so kind as to read for us the first 11 verses of this chapter Well, if it starts,
2: therefore, I did miss the most important part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind reading it. 11 verses.
2: Yes. Thank you, Father.
0: Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that... But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Thank you, Father. We're we going to get this done tonight, Reed?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This, you
0: know, Nothing, just, just a little <laughs> bit of Paul.
1: This, this is easier than the past couple of chapters. Um, so... um Well, one of the things that makes it easier is that some of the questions that so naturally occur to us and sort of engross us, Chrysostom has nothing to say about. They're not on his radar. (laughs) So that lets us skip over a certain amount of uh, slow work and controversy. Um, So verse one, there's a little bit of a question of the correct reading, and I think it's footnoted uh, here on the screen as well. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and so on. The alternative reading, which is the one Chrysostom has, says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And so, um, not knowing Greek at all, I'm not going to try to comment on the arguments for or against the various readings, but I'll talk about what St. John Chrysostom says that he's uh, he takes this as saying, now, look, the Apostle Paul has just been talking about how exalted faith is in particular over works. But it's saying now, don't take this as a ground for one of his favorite words, listlessness, 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 um, listlessness. So that you should say, okay, grace has come. Now I'm going to go back to living the way I used to. Um, He says, no, quite on the contrary, we should not return to sin. And and he argues and says, well, if someone says, well, how can we live without sinning? He says, well, how was it that you could be redeemed from all of those sins you committed before? That was the greater thing. God has rescued you from all of that. Uh, you know, cling closely to the Lord who has rescued you from all of that. And uh, staying away from sin now is by, by far the easier of the two uh, feats, if you will. And he says also, when God has done so much for us, it would be ungrateful and unfeeling if we then return to our former way of life. thoughts or questions so far. So then the way St. John Chrysostom takes the rest of what we just read, it is largely as sort of a, a magnification and glorification of all that God has done for us in Christ Um, sort of so that we would properly appreciate it and not be doubtful of it, okay? And so in verse two, he reads, through whom, that is through Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And he sees there two things. Well, he says that the apostle always keeps clearly in mind what is god's part and what is our part in the work of god and says well god's part has been manifold christ died for us he's reconciled to us he's brought us near he's given us grace we only brought one thing and that's faith and so what we have gained by faith here is in some sense twofold first what we already possess which is what the apostle means when he says grace we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand that's what which we have already received Um, such as being counted worthy of the knowledge of god being forced from error coming to know the truth all the blessings that come from baptism not just the remission of sins but countless other benefits uh, saint john chrysostom lists but then the apostle goes on and talks about rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, speaking of all that God has promised for us in the future. And uh, Chrysostom says, now rejoice, you rejoice over what you already have. And so that the apostle uses the word rejoice here, emphasizes the certainty of it and how we should approach it with a very confident hope that these things surely will come to us. Thoughts, comments, questions?
3: There you go. (laughs) Too cold to think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. um...
0: It's just so hard to read these passages knowing what we know as a 21st century American, I mean, with the Protestantism around us or In the roots or in the water, as it were, and to not see something like in verse one justified by faith as a technical, theological stance. Right. Instead of, as Chrysostom treats it, faith in the God who promises things, you know, the blessings, and therefore we have been justified because we operate towards Him in faith Mm -hmm. that He can do the unimaginable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's what we were ending last time yeah. with noting or underlining what faith seems to be with chrysostom is that God can bring life out of death. Right. Which is of course why then you would have so I sometimes I just want to sit down and read a Bible. I've never done this. I've always promised myself I would do this one day. Just get delete all of the chapters and verses. Because it's so, it it really does put blinders on for me to think, all right, like David, when you saw the therefore, you're like, uh uh-oh, I missed the whole, (laughs) the (laughs) first clause of the argument, but it's so easy. I just like, all right, Romans chapter five, we're in a whole new thing, right? Like now we, now we're having a discussion about what justification by faith is, (laughs) Uh, which is... It's just not, it doesn't have all that baggage, but Mm -hmm. it makes sense then what I'm saying is why verse three and four about tribulations and things, because if we believe in a God who brings life out of death, then that is the position, what it means to have faith.
1: Right. And I think that that's really the way John Chrysostom takes this whole passage is, it's all that the apostle Paul is trying to encourage us to have a faith that is worthy of God. You know, and not to be stuck in doubt and discouragement, but truly to embrace that God not only has intended to, to do all these good things for us, but, you know, has done them and continues to be willing to do them. And that's something to rejoice in.
0: So I have a question. So we, so with what we just, what we just said for a 21st century kind of secularized American, even though I don't want to be secular, I am right. Um, This kind of, I'll even use a word like leap of faith or this like extent, like to believe that God can bring life out of death, that he can do the unimaginable, right. That that to me that rings differently when you're surrounded in a pagan culture where they're used to hearing about God's doing all sorts of crazy stuff um working miracle, well miracles or you know so it's just interesting what Paul's arguing about faith here is different than just kind of a generic enchanted world does that make sense what I'm saying
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because there's a belief. What I'm saying is, for us, I think it's it's hard for me to think of faith in God as just a basic belief that there is something be beyond the material.
2: <laughs> to <There you laughs> so then
0: at this time, justification by faith, as Paul is talking about it, not with all the baggage, right? Mm-hmm. Is is something specific about the God of Israel, and th- as through Jesus Christ so it has a kind of different tenor to it do you know what i mean Verse like because it's not just enchantment issue it's it's specific belief in that particular god that has been revealed and confirmed in jesus christ mhm huh you missed it david you you bleeped out <laughs>
2: yeah i did what what happened
0: nothing important <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about um, when you hear Paul here it is, as a secular, even though I don't want to be secular, justification by faith or the believing that God can bring life out of death right. is I, I – that is almost like a leap just to believe in something beyond the material itself, right? That there's a God, period, or that there's divinity, period. Which in Paul's time, that wouldn't be the difficult thing to grasp.
2: No. Their,
0: their struggle with faith or justification by faith would be having a relationship with the God that was revealed in Jesus Christ amidst all the other gods and all the other things that were available to them. It's just different how justific- like our faith has different um, tenor to it just because of where we are in the 21st century versus... Where even where Chrysostom's crowd would have been. That's what I was saying.
2: Okay.
1: Well, and I think also that uh, as Chrysostom reads this, he continues to see that a lot of what the Apostle Paul is addressing is the objections of the Jews. Right. Who are saying, no, no, the law, the law. And the idea that somehow faith should be greater than all of that. Um, and that, in fact, law should be insufficient for salvation and that uh, grace should be. Uh, that, I mean, that faith uh, wins all of these wonderful rewards is, is, uh, is you know, it's, it's the Jews who, Jews who would object to that. Um, you know, and then to think, well, what would the pagans think of this? I agree with you, it's hard for me even to imagine.
2: Read, would you read again the, the verse, the first verse, the way Christosom was reading it? Sure. He said the, the wording was different.
1: Just slightly. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: So it, it is let us right. have peace. Okay. So
1: though so I do wonder if in our own day the challenge is not so much for people to you know, in a, in a secular society to believe in um a God at all, as that it is to believe that there's some good reason not to despair. Yes. But the thing that's incredible is that you should not despair.
2: Boy, I sure like his translation better. I sure like let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ much, 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 much better. Uh, because it suggests a reciprocal action on our part. Having received God's justification, it suggests that we should respond by being at peace with God. Does that make sense, what I just said?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I know the footnotes in. Um...
2: And I'm sorry, just to finish that thought, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, I just want to mention. No, sure. go ahead. Just to respond to what you were saying with contemporary people, mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. It's not that they don't believe in a higher power, be it fate or whatever. It's the ability, inability to respond with, 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 with peace. I'm really struggling with an idea here.
0: So they have a kind of um, Jesus, the specificity of Jesus Christ is missing. There's a kind of blanket idea in God that answers things, but because Jesus is absent from the center of that, you don't really get the justification that comes through Jesus Christ. Is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, but actually I wasn't even thinking of Jesus. I was just thinking of Yahweh. I was thinking of Trinity as a whole. I was just thinking of Yahweh. Uh, or whatever you want to call that which creates and sustains the universe. An inability to embrace it. A tendency to rebel against it and to fight it and to be angry at it and to be mad at it and, think that, and to think that it is cruel and it is justified, unjustified that it's unfair in, in its in its treatment, instead of, instead of responding with, with 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 coming to be at peace with that 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 power that creates and sustains in in the universe, and which is something that we are able to have now. Now to get more particular, something we are able to have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did that make sense?
1: I think so. People are inclined to think that if there's such a God as Christians want to talk about, he must be unjust. And I mean, it's sort of like the C.S. Lewis idea of God in the dock. Yeah, we have we have our own sense of right and wrong now, and we need to see whether God lives up to it.
2: Yeah,
3: it's kind of an interesting comment because in the Bible, the study Bible, it's the uh, It says. One sentence is faith, therefore, is far more than possessing mental belief. So, here's probably how the Jews are saying, and I'm trying to criticize the Jews, but it just is It's an ongoing problem, is everybody thinks of it as mentally. It's been, it was in the Old Testament, it still exists today. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, then, of course, the Epistle of James, too. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's foolishness. I mentioned that last week.
1: Yeah. Well maybe we should move on. Um, of course, here uh, the Apostle Paul makes the point of glorying in tribulations, and Chrysostom says, well, there are sort of two reasons for this. One, What God has given us and much more what he has promised us is so wonderful and magnificent that any tribulations are sort of a triviality in comparison. But all the more good fruit comes out of the tribulations, namely in our developing patience and character or experience, depending on your translation, Um, you know, learning to maintain a good conscience and all of the good hope that comes from that. And so, in fact, we even benefit in this life from the from what we suffer. yeah no. um, maybe I'll just move on from there that you we can discuss that if you like. Uh, he goes on well, no I
2: think it, I, I just that just really that just really strikes me so it's not so it's not it's uh. Because I was reading that, and that's kind of what I was thinking about. <clears throat> and again, taking it out of Judeo-Christian terms is just talking about fate, how people fight fate, and how people you know, complain about their lot, and, and, and they complain about the way things have worked out for them, and how everybody else has got it better off than they do, and so on and so forth. And that as a result of our justification by faith, we respond with peace through God, and with that peace through God, we not only do not reject our fate and our future and what's going to happen to us, we embrace it, even though it be tribulations. That's, that's the whole thought I was trying to get to, I guess.
1: And that's why we call it providence instead of fate?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Because we take it not as something arbitrarily chosen but or random, but
2: something that God has given us for our benefit. I'll accept providence. <laughs> Just don't tell me it's part of God's plan because that <laughs> makes me scream. Right.
1: So going on then, verse 5, now hope does not disappoint. And here... Um, John Chrysostom has a bit of a discourse on hope and says the sort of hopes that we have in sort of everyday human life often disappoint us and put us to shame. Uh, He talks about, in particular, someone, you know, you think within Roman society who had a patron, someone who was going to support him and bring him to good things in life. He says, our patron dies or quits favoring us, or we die ourselves. It's like, you know, whatever we were hoping for, these things are easily lost. He says, but with God, those things don't happen. He doesn't die. Um, If we die, we don't lose anything. Because we have even greater possession of the blessings that he has promised us then. But then as he makes this transition to verse 5, talking about, now hope does not disappoint, he says, well, someone might might worry, though. Well, yes, yeah, so God's always there. The gifts, you know, we don't have to worry he can't provide them. We know that death isn't a problem, but what if he's not willing to give us the gifts? Okay, and so this, then he addresses the question, well, you know, could hope disappoint us? We have this hope, but what if it turns out to be a vain hope? And, um the apostle continues on hope does not disappoint because the love of god has been poured out in our hearts by the holy spirit who was given to us and um he says well okay how do we know god is willing to give us the gifts first of all by what he's already done well what has he done first of all he's shown us love how did he show us love well first of all he gave us the holy spirit greater than any other gift Right, He's given us God himself, the Holy Spirit, making us, as uh, Chrysostom phrases it, making us angels and sons of God and brothers of Christ. And uh, let me read a bit of a quote from Chrysostom here. He says, but now the warmth of his love is hence made apparent that it is not gradually and little by little that he honors us but he has shed abroad an expression that indicates great profusion. He has shed abroad the full fountain of his blessings and this too before our struggles. And so if thou art not exceedingly worthy despond not since thou hast that love of thy judge as a mighty pleader for thee. For this is why he himself by saying hope maketh not ashamed has ascribed everything not to our well-doings but to God's love. So what he's saying is, okay, so maybe you're not particularly worthy. Maybe your life has not been very good and still isn't so great. Don't fall into despair because the love of God pleads your case. Um, It is God's love that wins these things for us, not any of our own well-doings. It sounds
3: and, like this is an exercise in uh, uh, justifying your faith. Uh, you, it seems to me that when you start going off question, of course, that's our nature, is that there's something wrong with your faith. <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you have your faith, you're not worried about that. But as humans, we, we're we going to straggle off to the deep end and uh, start questioning things. And you know, a lot I think- of people need to hear a reason. I guess that's Part of this exercise is Paul's given us, or Chris Awesome has given us, hey, this is why you should have your faith. This is, it is covered.
1: Right. There is. Mm-hmm. It, it's to protect people from discouragement and from being, you know, kind of pushed away from the faith. Mm-hmm. And he picks up the next passage, six through 11, as really the continuation of five, that 5 through 11 is all about how God has poured out his love to us.
0: Which is fascinating just because the fact that the breakup in this New King James version that we have in front of us, where it has this break between 5 and 6 and it gives us Christ in our place. Right. (laughs) Which subtly influences how you read it. Yep. But Chrysostom wants 5 through 11 to be a unit, not 6 through 11. Right. That really changes how you read it.
2: Yep. Yeah, exactly. So he picks up. That's an interpretation.
1: Yes. Yeah, in verses 5 and 6, talking about, well, okay, so who would die for someone? He says, well, you know, if. A man were greatly virtuous, and you really loved him a lot. You might die for him, but you'd probably have to think about it some first. <laughs> right? You, you would hesitate. That, that's a lot to do. But Christ died for us when we were weak, and when we were still God's enemies, and when we were sinners. You know, this indicates an abundance of love, a super abundance of love beyond anything we can readily imagine in human life.
3: I guess the term uh, to die for someone, does that mean you jump in front of a bullet or jump on a (laughs) hand grenade or push somebody away from a car or, or, uh, I mean, to die for someone, what's, that can mean... The literal, or just by turning the cheek instead of being angry or arguing with them. We think of, of to die from it as just the physical. Is it more than that? I'm asking. I don't know.
1: I mean, I've tended to think of it in those terms. But yeah, like you know, you you fall on the grenade, or um, you know, you offer yourself in place of someone else who's going to be put to death
2: right right i think throwing yourself on hand grenades a good i like that boy father now that you said that the more i look at this that christ in our place is really bugging me (laughs) i'm gonna have to go into my written version of this and like you know take take a uh uh uh, or what do you call those, those 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 heavy black markers and mark that out <laughs> well seriously because because that strongly suggests substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. yep you know and 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 and, and I, I, throwing yourself on a hand grenade is not substitutionary atonement and yeah. aren't we and, and and i really want to follow that aren't we talking more like sub- throwing yourself on a hand grenade we a substitutionary atonement, yeah. I'm waiting for the priest to respond. <laughs> I, mean, I think there is
0: some aspect
2: of substitutionary
0: atonement in the way that we understand atonement, it's just not a lot of Protestant exegesis, and I don't know if it's even historical Protestant exegesis, but a lot of the simple forms that float around and i think you see it actually in roman catholic circles the way they tend to talk about what the relationship how we're saved seems to use the substitution motif really strongly my understanding although i'm not i didn't grow up in the roman mass or anything like that but that the roman canon is particularly strong on that in a way that like you don't hear that in Chrysostom. That is, so what I'm saying is, it's a metaphor. It's a way of talking that I think got over uh, dominant in Latin and kind of Western theology generally. But I think that is why you have Christ in our place, like you were saying, David, between five and six. Even though that's not really what's the force of the argument, according to And you have to you have to you have to read into this at five one justification by faith as understood by luther and then you get down to six and seven and then you have to understand it as luther or and i don't know how calvin does goes through these verses but there's a reason why romans was the key it was for for luther right Mm.
2: substitutionary atonement in the catholic church of saint anselm Saint well, he has Anselm. a very
0: particular form of it.
2: Well, that's but that's 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 that was church doctrine forever and a day, up, up until Vatican II.
0: Well, I mean, the way Anselm talks about it is very quite different. And I don't want to get too much in the weeds than like what Aquinas or Bonaventure or some of the other <laughs> other scholastics would have articulated it as, because okay. Anselm has a very medieval like honored system thing going on.
2: Right, Um, and that's what I'm resisting so strongly here.
0: But I don't have a if if we mean by substitutionary atonement the sense that Christ died uh, because of sin as an offering because of sin uh, in our place in a sense I think that is acceptable. It just depends on where you go with that or what that means.
3: Well, I'm. You know, we sing, "Be watch." You know, at the, the Lord comes at midnight. Be watchful. You know, the bridegroom. And I always felt like because uh, we're all going to die. Everybody, there's, there's no doubt about it. But only two have been taken up, or maybe three, and all that. So we're all going to die. When Christ, by actually taking human form and going through it, is showing us uh, that there the way, it, and and he's. We say he's dying for our sins, but he's, he's really given us strength to say, No, if you have faith and you believe, when you die, you will be, and when you're watching, you will see the coming. Whereas somebody that just is, is sleeping, <laughs> just like the, the troll par says. Was that a hand grenade that just went out the room? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, okay, I we'll, say, at some
2: point we'll have to delve
0: deeper into what all substitutionary atonement, all that stuff what that means i have a book on my shelf that i'd like you to to a few essays out of it to read
2: who were you talking to david oh what did you say something about a book and essays i didn't quite I have i
0: to discuss substitutiary atonement, there's a book that i want you to read
2: oh because okay. it has a few mm-hmm. essays in it Okay, <laughs> I've got nothing to read. <laughs>
0: well, you you know, finished the Iliad, so now you can read this.
2: Well, I've still got, I've still got, I've, I've still got the rest of Homer and Paradise Lost and the Aeneid, and <laughs> you,
0: can, you can you can put an essay on Athanasius in there too. <laughs> I the atonement is uh, kind of new to me. So is that like uh, part of a heresy
3: or just uh...
0: depends on how you articulate it. Okay. That's the problem. Yeah, you can have the one that I think is not good is penal substitutionary atonement, where basically God was so pissed he had to take it out on his son.
2: You know, that's really what I'm objecting to. Thank you, Father. I couldn't think of the term. It's penal substitutionary atonement that I read. Right, like there's a
0: penalty that somebody's got to suffer.
2: Yeah. So Jesus took
0: it, and we should have had our just desserts. Um, but we can see where that language is coming from, like in verse nine, right? Like much more than that, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Right. But I think that goes back to Romans one and two, the wrath that is revealed from heaven against Jew and Gentile. But I don't, I I don't think that is a, a wrath, um, that doesn't say that the wrath needs to be now out poured on the sun that was supposed to be poured out poured out on us in some kind of like, um, I hate to say it like this, like divine child abuse type situation or something, you know. Anyways, Reed, you, what do you think?
2: Well, uh, Chris system- get us out of this, Reed, please.
1: Please. <laughs> <laughs> S- says some lovely things about this, and 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 let me almost make this a segue into that. But you know the whole notion of substitution. I've I've wondered if there is a notion of substitution uh, that we see when David fights Goliath, and where I think the technical term is a champion, where David and Goliath fight the battle. The outcome, though holding good for their whole nations. And I've wondered Mm -hmm. if that's maybe a better picture of what Christ has done for us, that he, uh, you know, he went in and fought with death on behalf of us all. Uh, He was he was our champion in in the technical sense. But going on to to verse nine and
2: ten. Well, that's right. He, He conquered death. Right. I hate to sound I hate to sound stupid, but that but, but that that uh, I think that might be part of the problem.
0: Yeah, uh, that's part why part of
2: the problem for me is stopping at at the crucifixion.
0: Right, justification okay. is the whole sweep of it.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: Because verse ten, sorry to read, I'm going verse ten. It says, "We shall be saved by His life." That's not, we shall be saved by his death on the cross, which we are, but we're yeah. saved by his life, the the divine life that he led in the flesh.
2: Gotcha. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry, Reed. I'm sorry. No,
3: that's fine. So reconcile can mean change or reestablish. Or you got, is that, or...
1: Reconcile
0: is usually more than like You and I got in a pit fight and we're like, all right, whatever. Yeah, they're like, we're friends again. Yeah. <laughs> so we reestablished the friendship. Yeah. It's
1: make, it's making peace, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the way Chris system takes especially 9 and 10 here, um, he sees that what Paul is trying to do is give us confidence respecting things to come. That's his phrasing. Yeah. Um, So he kind of goes back and sees what's the line of argument that Paul has been going through. Well, first of all, he has kind of shamed us by Abraham's example, who is fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. So he's saying, look at how magnificent Abraham's faith was that maybe we aren't quite ready to emulate yet. But he's reminded us then of the grace that we've already received. He's reminded us or shown us how tribulations increase our hope. He's reminded us that we've received the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like, come on, guys, look at all of this that has come out of faith. Be greatly confident of what good God intends to you. And then getting down to verses 9 and 10 here, he says, uh, that the apostle is speaking about Christ's death and elaborates for, for us on how Christ's death is an expression of love. Because, first of all, there were two things hindering our being saved. One, we were sinners. The second one, that our salvation required that the living God die, which didn't seem like a good thing to lay bets on. Um, And yet, when we were sinners and we were weak and we were enemies of God, the Lord did die, which first of all expresses the depths of his love, the unfathomable depths of his love. And in doing this, he in fact made sinners righteous and turned his enemies into friends. And so if God had such love for his enemies, who were also sinners and weak, that he would give his son up to death for them, then how much more, when we have in fact become friends of God and have been given righteousness, should we be confident that he will give us all of these good gifts that he's spoken of um, at a time when, in fact, there's no more need for the death of his son. So it's sort of like, if we can believe God did all of these things before, how much more should we have confidence in the good that he has promised us now? And he kind of wraps it up then in verse 11, saying, okay, so you've, you've been told that, okay, you were, you were weak and you were a sinner and um, you were an enemy of God. Are you going to then be sort of embarrassed that you've been reconciled to God? It's like, oh, my, well, look at everything I did and here I am reconciled, wow. And it says, no, no, we rejoice in God. We glory in this salvation that, uh, you know God has made us friends that we should have confidence not that we should be greatly abashed at what we did before. So, any comments or questions on the end of that section?
3: There you go. I always felt with what you just said that because um, a friend of mine, we were talking about uh, salvation and he said, well, even a murderer or a rapist and all this says, yes, even they can be forgiven. And, and to me, the, the thought about that is, well, they have, and probably most of them don't think about it, but if you have no i commit i killed somebody well why don't i keep killing Because by golly i'm already condemned <laughs> so what's the difference well you can still turn from your way and 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 be forgiven for it i don't recommend going out and doing that but <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here
1: on the- <laughs> well the apostle paul talks about you know those who misrepresented the Christians are saying that sort of thing, right? Oh, shall we send more that that grace may increase? So. Oh, God yeah. forbid. Yeah, God forbid. Okay. Um,
0: so you know what's fascinating about Chris reading to me? What? <laughs> this isn't. This isn't like a. Um, A downvote or like a thumbs down or something, but it he reads it so much more simpler. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It is not a theological treatise, I mean, it is, but it's not the systematic, like the way in which so many people read Romans. and I know you started off this, uh, the class that way, but just to reiterate or circle back to that, I just like he really thinks of faith and it doesn't have this weight of all of the specificities that we get so used to. I feel like I'm a broken drum right now or a broken record saying this, but as <laughs> no. when when we keep going with Chris's time. I'm thinking like, he's going to answer my, Nope. He's going to talk about the God really does love me. And so I need to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, right.
1: <laughs> that oh, is the gospel. isn't He's it? always a pastor. <laughs> Chris has yes.
2: got the advantage over us that he doesn't have to wrestle with Calvin. <laughs> right. And, and, and honestly, I do. didn't mean that as a joke. I've got—I mm-hmm. mean, I've got—I've got all this to over—I've got all this stuff to overcome. Mm-hmm. I really feel that yeah, I way. I've got—I've got a, I've got Actually, a lot I mean. of bad stuff that I've got to overcome. You know, I'm just really grateful I wasn't raised in the in in the uh, what what do they call the rapture stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You know that's even worse. You know there's there's so much there's so much bad teaching out there that that Chrysostom's lucky. You know he, he didn't have that bad teaching over. Well, I, as soon as I say that, I the first thing I thought of, yeah. Well, what about Arius? Okay, well, never mind. I, I, I take it. <laughs> there was a lot of bad teaching back then. At least yeah, they it say wasn't no TV. new
3: uh, heresies; they're all the same, repeating themselves. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, so, the, so they're, so they're always. You're right. Gee, I hate to call people heretics. <laughs> so I just think it, don't say it out loud.
3: <laughs> don't worry; it'll get shouted from the rooftops at the right time.
1: All <laughs> <laughs> will be revealed. Yeah. I figure that's the job of church councils. I don't really have to worry too much about it.
2: <laughs> but the rapture worries me because I'm afraid, you know, I sleep with my cat and I'm afraid I got to wake up in the morning. The cat's going to be gone and I'm still going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go, and Boots? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a good I cat. Always,
3: I was always told about the rapture that if you're riding the car and they're disappearing, you better stop the car and go back and pick them up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay well we just we just we just lost whatever audience we may have <laughs> how many okay. other protestants can we offend let's keep going okay
1: but uh, father daniel i appreciate your reminding of this that uh, john chrysostom always writes as a pastor and yes. he always he always reads paul as a pastor
0: Which, there's a great book by Margaret Mitchell, which somehow I snagged for really cheap, you know how that is, where suddenly there's this fire sale on, you know, uh, (laughs) CBD, uh, not that kind of CBD, but Christian book discounter. (laughs) Um, And she has this great book on Chrysostom uh, as a reader of Paul, I'm trying to... Apparently, there's other people named Margaret Mitchell. Maybe
1: I mis- am <laughs> remembering her name. Let me look it up. It's um, Is it Margaret Mitchell, right? Gone with the Wind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, the Heavenly Trumpet. One of her less known works. Yes, the art of um, the Heavenly Trumpet. John Christus from the Art of Pauline Interpretation. Apparently, it's fifty bucks. I got it for like ten bucks. I don't know. I don't remember how, but if you can get your hands on that, it is a beautiful reading of um, how Chris system approaches interpretation exactly along these lines as a, a, and how he can read Paul in that way. So it's really helpful to read Paul in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a pastor and he's trying to encourage and um, to build up that character that we read about in the first five verses right the, the tribulation etc so mm-hmm. that you can actually stand fast which where chrysostom says there um uh, where he's commenting because Christ, god has gone so far as to send his son and die for us even though we're you know basically enemies then what is there to prevent us anymore from obtaining the things to come nothing Then again, lest upon hearing of sinners, enemies, and strengthless ones and ungodly, you should not be inclined, basically, to feel uh, ashamed Mm -hmm. of the gospel. So Christ died for you, and so don't be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's not go and argue with the Lutherans that they're wrong and Calvin was right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um we're coming up on 8:30 here, Father. Should we
0: <laughs> We did it.
1: We didn't make it.
0: <laughs> how how, how much more how many more verses do we have here? I just can't see the bottom of it.
3: 12 uh, through 21.
0: We've got 10 more, I think. Well, and this is heavy heavy duty stuff, isn't it? Yes, it is.
1: It is um uh, I mean, there's but... there's a sense in which we could take it very quickly and, you know, I think do it justice. You're um,
2: As long as nobody asks hey, any questions.
0: Yeah, I'll be quiet.
2: <laughs> want, I'll, I'll have to go on mute if you're going to do that.
1: I <laughs> well, um, you know, if, if we ran over by 10 or 15 minutes, I think that we could you know, at our usual 30,000 foot level, uh, you know, get a a useful view of what's going on here. Let's Um, do it. Go for it. Okay, so let's do it. Um, First of all, Romans 5.12 has to be talked about a little bit on its own for historical reasons. Um, This is not Chrysostom's commentary, Um, but you know, this is probably possibly the most famous mistranslation in all of history. Um, let me read verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. And evidently, that's all very easy to translate until you get to that point. What word should come next? New King James says, because evidently. Jerome and other Latin translators translated it as in whom all sinned, which then uh, in whom referred to Adam and thus uh, developed a lot of the Western understanding of original sin, especially because Augustine read it this way and was very influential. Um, That's a mistranslation. Evidently, there's all you know. Un- unanimous agreement about this. That was the wrong translation. Um, and so, historically, that's very important because it certainly gave a certain a flavor to the Western understanding of what's going on here. Um, beyond that, there's still a question: uh, Should this be read because all sinned, or I've seen a uh, other translations, the one I could lay my hands on was David Bentley Hart's, who said, whereupon all sinned. It's clear that the Apostle Paul is making some sort of a parallel construction here. Sin entered the world through one man, death came through sin, and thus, death spread to all men, whereupon all sinned? Is it because of death that men sinned, or is it because of sin that men died? And evidently, copious ink has been spilled on that question.
3: Well, um, sin removed them from the Garden of Eden. And apparently, that's where uh, I get the impression that if you were in the Garden of Eden, that there was no sickness, nor sorrow, no... So once we got to the point of being kicked out of there, that uh, we were put in a not-so-pure... Uh, atmosphere
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. evidently because you know as we all know i i don't know the languages so i'm not going to claim any ability to discuss this from a scholarly standpoint but from what i read uh, the general drift of the eastern fathers has been to take it that death when death came to all men that provoked sin among men that essentially Um, Adam's sin brought death to us all and that's what we got out of it was not a sin nature but mortality all men became mortal descending from Adam and this inclination you know that this decay that we then were born into makes it very easy for us then to embrace sin and this seems to be something of the way that John Chrysostom takes it Um, he says, uh, having confirmed our justification by so many sources and proofs, the apostle like a good physician now offers further encouragement. So he sees Paul as going the same way. He's still trying to encourage us in our faith. He says he does this by going to the very source of the disease to explain God's remedy. I paraphrase some of that. So how did death come to prevail upon all men through the sin of the one? And so Chrysostom explains that last troublesome clause as meaning simply from the fall of Adam, all became mortal. Okay. Now, that being said, we have this whole section that reads almost like it's supposed to be a tongue twister, right? For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many." And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And then it sort of continues this way. So let me try to sum up for you how John Chrysostom reads this.
2: Is there any chance we could do this next week? Because I got to go to another meeting, and I will probably have questions. I, I hate, or or not, or not. Oh, you know, I've just, just, just say, got. Just gonna, gonna, just I've got. A, I've got to leave. So,
1: Father.
0: Um. Let's at least finish the thought you were building there, Reed. Okay, David. I I will post it this evening. And then we can follow up and finish next week by starting with and talking about the end of this chapter.
2: Okay. Okay. I I, 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 I appreciate it. I'm terribly sorry.
1: No, we understand. Glad to have you. Well, we can have you.
2: See you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Good night. Okay, so he begins with this sort of difficult verse, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And what John Chrysostom sees Paul doing here is addressing objections of the Jews again, who might say, now look, it's, it's the breaking of the law that leads to death. And Paul saying, no, death was in the world before the law. The law came along later. Okay. And so the death goes all the way back to Adam. It's because of what he did that we all die. Now, why is that important? Because the rest of the argument is going to run sort of along two tracks. The first one being addressing the Jews who say, okay, how can what this one man, Jesus Christ, did save the whole world? Because one man condemned it. Right. And so the first of all is, look, there's just a simple parallel. We have to recognize from the law, one man, Adam, sinned. And through that, everyone was given over to death. So by sort of simple equivalence, it doesn't seem at all unreasonable that by one act of righteousness. By one man, everyone could be made righteous. So if you can believe that the one happened, there's no reason not to believe that the other happened or could happen possible yeah right so from that point of view it's not implausible it's not unreasonable but it's not a perfect parallel because life is greater than death righteousness is greater than sin god is greater than man and so in strict parallels it's reasonable but when you Look at the differences, they're all completely on the side of life and righteousness and justification in Christ. And so this whole passage with its sort of, these things are parallel, but these things are completely unlike, that's what it's all about. Same, the parallel argues for the reasonableness, everything that's not parallel argues that everything, you know, the victory completely goes to life and righteousness in Christ. And that, if you want it in a thumbnail, is how John Chrysostom understands the second half of this chapter. Of course, he elaborates beautifully on every verse of it and finds the subtleties and there's just endless good stuff to mine there. But I think that what I just said is not a bad summary of how he understands this passage, uh, what the apostle is arguing here.
0: I'll be very interested to see how then that flows into Chapter Six, specifically with the question of shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. the trajectory, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if I understand the trajectory to get to that question or what, why Paul is at that place. Which we can say for next week, but. Oh, I see. Never mind. I think I get it already. (laughs) Okay, good. If it flows from the parallel, right? Like, so then it says, shall we continue and send that grace may abound? Because it's flowing from the way in which he was arguing in five. So then he takes a turn from
1: there. Okay, I got it. Okay, good. (laughs) I I should just be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I haven't read ahead yet, so I can't comment on that. I was trying to scan it real fast. (laughs)
0: I'm going to go through and read Chris's system now because there's a lot that you just summarized
1: here. Yes, and you know, I, I won't claim to have done it justice, but as a thumbnail sketch, I, I I hope it was a reasonable stab at it. I think so. Shall we in there for the evening? That
0: sounds good.